Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. What do you got today for us, Karen? A client request. Um, she phoned and asked about a treatment that she had had. Uh, I did not recall it, but she asked if we could do a podcast on it. She said she came in for a treatment, I think about a week ago or so. It was sometime this summer of 2017. And she came to ask a question of her spirit. And the question was, why are children attracted to me? So she just noticed all of her life that children were drawn to her. And she really was seeking a the answer to that question. Um, about herself. So the first thing that the spirit guides came through to say was that she was trustworthy. And to that, her response was, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, so anyway, so she called yesterday morning and said, this is what occurred during her treatment. And would it be okay to hear that in a podcast with the what it meant to be trustworthy. Like the qualities. Yeah. Okay. So what I did was, as I was making some protein bars and some um, little protein balls Let in the kitchen. Let me guess. You made a list. <laughs> yes. I am your mother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I, I was just listening to the spirit world. And so I had a, a, a couple of, of, of souls sitting in the living room. And, you know, for those of... Naturally. <laughs> yes. For those who have heard the podcast before, they know that I like to dance in the kitchen and have spirits sit in the living room. So this is what happened uh, last evening on Thursday evening. Uh, her spirits came into the living room and spoke and started saying her particular qualities uh, for trustworthiness. Um, but then they also started just saying ones in general as well. So I did, I did doodle them. I did make a list. And I thought that would be fun to go through today. And the reason I think it's fun, Kelly, and, and that it might be a good podcast for people, is sometimes we don't understand why a relationship ends or a job comes to an end. or um, And sometimes it's because someone else isn't trustworthy. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe they're trying to deal with their own shit or they're not dealing with their own shit. And they end the friendship because they know they've broken trust in it. Sometimes it's not all on us. And sometimes when we're wanting to begin new relationships, when we want beginnings, we bring our old patterns with us. And if they're good, that's great. But if they're not good, then we wonder later into the relationship again why another one is not working. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this would be a really good show to talk about because it does have to do with patterns. Okay. I think it's also important to throw in there that sometimes people don't understand why things work. Yes. And, and I know it's a natural um, maybe, maybe way of looking at things to see why it's not working, to reflect on what's, what's sticky. But then to actually understand what works is important because those are the patterns you actually want to keep repeating. Yes. They're the things that you want to build on. And I know a lot of the times we focus on the things we don't want to do or we don't want to become. I just watched the episode of Friends, obviously a long time ago, season seven, when Rachel was learning how to sail and she starts screaming at Joey and she goes, oh my God, I'm my dad. I was spending so much time making sure I didn't become my mother. I did not see this coming. <laughs> oh, that's true. Right. So if we're only focusing on what we don't want, yeah. we're not actually setting our sights on what we do want to build and what we do want to keep repeating. And I think like the trustworthiness issue is 
directly related to when we consistently talk about emotional intelligence. Right. So if somebody's thinking, God, those girls are constantly talking about raising our level of emotional intelligence for our own relationship within ourselves. So the trustworthiness has to do with not just how you conduct yourself in relationships with others, but how you live your own life, your relationship with self. And that is the reason Reg came to ask that. Mm-hmm. That's what she wanted to know. Okay, so one of the things I put down right at the top of this that the guides came through and said was that she set intention when she spoke. Mm-hmm. And and I knew you were going to love this one because yeah. you have a, such a love of words and what words do for people, written and verbal. That was the first thing right off the bat was just that when she said something, she thought about what she was going to say. That's something that I've struggled with in this lifetime. I know that's one of my life path issues is to, or purposes, is to be able to come out of the people pleasing long enough to think, give myself time to think and to know, to be comfortable or to be uncomfortable with what I feel Mm -hmm. and what I think or what I might believe so that when I do speak, there is thoughtfulness to the intention and then I'm more in a place of being grounded with it or sure of myself even if it's even if it's something I'm uncomfortable saying or having to commit to an action to doing. I like your point and I kind of want to elaborate and it's probably one of the words lower down on your list I'm assuming. You, you can have intention with something that you want to say so the message right there can be an attention behind the message But one of the biggest or most important things about intention is kindness. And if we don't have an intention to kindly point out or kindly bring attention to something, then the intention of what we're saying is actually lost. Even even though the words might be true, the observations might be true, they may not be delivered in a way. And that's where you're saying she really thought about what she said. It has to be delivered with kindness and an intention to collaborate as opposed to create conflict. Or insult or injure. Yeah. Or control. Yeah, and this is something that Susan Forward did in her book, Emotional Blackmail, that I absolutely loved. And actually a couple of the other books as well. And Patricia Evans does a great job that when we are in a relationship and we're in the collective we we're collaborative. We're always thinking of solutions. But when someone is not in that collaborative stage, there's narcissism or things like that, they're out for I. So they may think about what they want to say, but it comes out like you're saying insulting or or rude or negative. And in those those ways, in those negative ways, they're seeking to dominate. Yeah. Or to control another person or to try and sometimes, I, like as I said, to injure them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the things that children, because this comes down to these children being safe with her, is that if there's no intention to injure. Yeah, and I've said this so many times in coaching, you can use the same words with different tone and get a very different response. So if you and I are sitting together and I say, what would make you do that? I'm putting you on the defensive. If I sat here with a soft gaze and went, oh, what would make you do that? There's actually an intonation of curiosity and 
a, um, a desire to understand versus an accusation of, you know, an undertones of um, stupidity or accusing you of not thinking something through. Well, I like how you worded all of that. There's because a, yeah, sorry. The tone of voice then um, interferes with the intention. Well, the tone of voice actually is the intention. Right, because right? you can say it. You can say a certain set of two sets, the, the same set of words with a different intonation, changing the intention. Yeah. Did, did I just reworded what you said. I know. And I, lo- I love doing that so that people can keep hearing it in different ways. Yeah. Kindness was, mm-hmm. was my point. That's- and that's number three. Okay. It wasn't that further d- down on the list after all. Well, I like this because I can't see your list. Yeah. Yeah, this will be fun. Mm-hmm. I think too, Kelly, with the words and the intonation and everything has to do too with your facial expressions, your eyes, the way that the way that you engage. Yes. Which is another um, tool for emotional intelligence. Your facial, your your body. The way that you set your your shoulders, you might be able to say it with the right tone of voice, but have the facial expression or body posture that is in conflict yep. with what you say or your intonation. So if you're creating confusion, if I'm saying it in a very nice way, but I'm throwing a dish at your head. Well, it's mixed signals. Yes. Which means you're not trustworthy. Yes. I know, and I know, I know you're going to resonate with this as well, Amanda my my best friend when we have conversations about anything and everything she actually has a dry eye syndrome mm-hmm. and she has to close her eyes a lot because it feels like pins and needles mm-hmm. we've and we've talked about this i've asked her about it and so when we're in deep conversations particularly the ones that are difficult and she closes her eyes and squints them and really um is trying to alleviate her pain essentially I will still say, or she will still say to me, this is about my eyes, not about the content of what we're talking about. Keep going. Mm-hmm. So there's a communication about her facial expressions where she's saying they belong with my own discomfort, not about what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So there's opportunity for me to say, I'll wait until you're comfortable or for me to go, okay, she's acknowledged and it's still safe for me to keep going. Well, you're bringing up another point then that's further down on the list as well. And that's to check in with the person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've done in Sips of Sanity podcast series checking in and that when you are a trustworthy person, those are that's another thing that you learn to do is to check in. Checking in is a crucial part to being a trustworthy person and it creates communication both ways so if the other person doesn't know at the beginning how to do a check-in but you're doing it consistently hopefully what they do is pick up on it that they can do it back for you Mm -hmm. if they don't I would suggest maybe sending off one of the podcast shows to them on check-ins and saying could you listen to this this is what I'm doing in our relationship for you and it's something I'm seeking to have back for me so that the trustworthiness goes both ways because it's a very difficult relationship, an unbalanced one and an unhealthy one, if only one person is doing the check-ins. Well, and I think that becomes, I think you can see that coming because oftentimes, you know, if you have a partner who's not, where it's a one-sided relationship, you know, that that person comes through the door and says, how was your day? If they're not, if they answer and don't ask you back, 
they're not going to take your cues about checking in because Mm -hmm. they're already not checking in on a daily basis for monotonous things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I I talk about that a lot in coaching as well about cueing people. You can do the changing, you can do the learning, you can develop the language. And as you implement, people pick up on those cues. Oh, I like that. Now, there is a good term for people to pay attention to, Kelly is cues. Mm -hmm. So if someone's doing some note taking during this podcast for some of these qualities, cueing is very important. 100%. And I like, you know, you're talking about check-ins, giving that opportunity to communicate. And one of the biggest words that I like to use is a pause. A check-in is a pause that allows you to reflect to ask yourself if things are working, um, how you're feeling, and then and then to communicate what it is you've learned from that pause. Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes too to make a decision whether you still want to be in that conversation. Yeah. And and sometimes just in the moment, but sometimes boy, you're going to have that aha moment of sitting there and going, "Wow, I am so done." Mm-hmm. Because if I have to keep pausing and recognize they don't ever pick up on a cue, yeah, they don't ever bother checking in then I'm out. And that's what helps people get to done and out. But it also on the opposite side of it, in healthy relationships, it builds on trustworthiness. Yeah. When you have someone who sits down or lays down with you and and says, hey, check in. How are we doing? What do you need more of? What do you need less of? Um, where, Where are you at? What are you feeling? There's all kinds of questions you can ask each other they're they're saying to you i value how what you feel i value what you think and i want to contribute to this relationship and if somebody can't be bothered to do that you're not in a relationship no you're stuck in something but it's not a relationship your dog will do a better job for you Mm -hmm. or a stranger so many strangers can do a better job Coworkers. yes volunteering oh there's all kinds of things that can do a better job than that okay um, I've got an actual list and I thought this was good today because if somebody literally wanted to sit down and go through a list and I'm going to actually read it at the end, I think too. Yeah, I think lists are great for people who are confused, who are stuck in what, you know, um, the authors would con- would call the fog. Yes. If you, oh, if you yeah. can't sort out what you're feeling, lists are fantastic. Pen and paper are great. It creates a visual. It makes you complete a thought, uh, which we often can't do when we're when we're in the fog. Yeah. And it can, you know, if you're sitting by yourself someplace, say at work and you have a moment or, you know, just with your tea or your coffee or a glass of water or something, it's nice to take your pause and just to reflect on a key relationship in your life. And hopefully you do this fairly often to go through the list and to see if this person has these qualities for you in your relationship. And also if you have them for them. Yeah. So two checklists. And it would be lovely too to make a date with that friend or that person in your life and go through the list and say, here's how I evaluated you in this relationship. And here's how I have evaluated me and what I'm doing for you. This is how I see where I've slipped and what I'm giving you. And this is where or where I'm strong. It doesn't have to be all negative. This is where I'm rocking it. I'm doing well. And how do you feel? What, What here in this list do you see I'm lacking? And they might sit there and say, we well, haven't been kind lately. Or you've been apologizing with no meaning. You throw apologies out left, right and center. I don't even know anymore if your apologies mean a damn thing to me. 
So that was number two on my list, actually, was the quality and the sincerity and the awareness around an apology. And if they're truthful apologies, meaning that you really do apologize deeply, you are sorry. There is an emotion there because you're connecting with what you did to the other person. Oh, yeah, I think it's important too uh, for both parties to hear this, whether you're trustworthy or not, because sometimes we we do give a sincere apology. And if we're in a relationship with a people pleaser or someone who is uncomfortable with conflict, they can say it's okay. And they brush off our sincere apology. Mm-hmm. And it's important to be able to say to them, excuse me, no, it's not okay. I'm acknowledging that I hurt you and that that's not something I want to do Mm -hmm. is hurt you. So I'm offering a sincere apology. Mm -hmm. And I'll say the only proper response when you're ready to accept an apology is thank you. Mm -hmm. You don't, there's, and I, we get so uncomfortable as a society where we have to say it's okay. It's not. Don't acknowledge an apology that way. Say thank you. That's an acceptance. Mm -hmm. You can move forward. You can have a conversation. It can be done at that point. Whatever it is that needs to happen in your relationship, the thank you is an acknowledging that they did also do their work to come to a place of recognizing where hurt happened, whether it was intended or not. Well, I think it's also important to recognize too, Kelly, that some people throw apologies around loose. They don't mean them. They didn't connect. They they don't understand what they did and they fully plan to do it again oh no I understand that's not what I was no I know I'm just doing a different one than you because we're just going back Mm -hmm. and forth is that okay Mm -hmm. okay so I understand which one you did I wanted to do the exact opposite of it so that people could really see two differences Mm -hmm. Uh, because some people do they apologize oh sorry sorry or sorry about that and they're doing it from a place of I feel shamed I'm going to do it again. But or I sh- got caught. Yes. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to bring that up. It can just simply be, you know, oh, my wife caught me. Uh, I didn't, you know, I said I was going to mow the lawn and I didn't do it. I haven't, she's asked me eight times this week. I haven't done it. Um, I have no intention of doing it until I damn well feel like it. So all I do is go, sorry, sorry, I'll get to that. But we have, we have, and that's where the lack of trustworthiness comes in. Because we don't really mean anything by the apology. Mm-hmm. What we really are saying is just shut up. Yep. I'll mow the lawn when I feel like it. Get off my case. But we don't say it. Or we don't say it kindly. We don't say something like, do you need the lawn to be cut? Is this bothering you? Mm-hmm. Is there a reason? There could be a great reason that the lawn needs to be cut. Or there isn't. Maybe it's aesthetic. Maybe it's just pleasing somebody mm-hmm. and we don't want to please them. We don't care to. And maybe it, that's where the conversation changes and says, is this why you keep asking me? Well, no, I have to keep reminding you or you'll never do it. I feel like I'm responsible to remind you or it doesn't get done. That's a different issue. And that's another issue in regards to not being trustworthy is when somebody asks you something and they have to ask you over and over again. Well, that's integrity. That's correct. Yeah. If you don't have integrity, which means you do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Or if it can't get done, you communicate when and why and when the next plan is to implement it. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful qualities in a relationship. Fundamental ones. Mm-hmm. 
This, this is a fundamental one, this communication and the integrity. Because without those two, boy, you are swimming in a swamp. Mm-hmm. And, and that people do feel like it's quicksand. They yeah. literally do feel like they're sinking in it. This is where I've said, and I feel like a broken record, in coaching, I've said to people, schedules can be romantic. Oh, yeah. And people just don't seem to understand that. But when you schedule in something, there's a deadline and you meet it, it creates that feeling of trustworthiness and that creates attraction. Oh, yes. In a mental state, in a physical state, in all different ways, attraction builds when you have integrity. Well, it changes your energetic vibration. Yeah. So now if you're walking around with that level of integrity on a daily basis, can you imagine the type of energy you're holding and why other people, and in this case, children, are attracted to you? Yeah. I think about, you know, if you go back to the beginning of a relationship, when someone says, I'm going to pick you up for our date at seven o'clock, you're excited, you're anticipating, you have a deadline of 7 p.m., your your hormones are building, your emotions are building, and they show up at your door at seven, and it's just this blissful feeling of happiness and excitement about what's going to happen next. If that person says, I'm going to pick you up at seven, and they show up at 7.30, well, by 7.10, you're like, oh, maybe I misheard. Maybe I miscommunicated. Ah, And you start questioning. And then you think, I'm not going to get my hopes up. And by 720, you're thinking, well, if it doesn't happen, I guess I'll make other plans or I'll, I'll stay by myself. Those, those emotions and that, those, that desire shifts. And if they show up at 730, let's say if they show up, you know, you can't trust what they say. Mm -hmm. So you sit with a different energy on that date, questioning what they're saying, if they're telling you the truth. Right. And so everything after that is questionable. Right. And when you create a, that, that space in the mind of what's questionable, and then you have no level of trustworthiness, there's no foundation really for intimacy. Right. And if this is a coworker, then there's no real relationship there in that trustworthiness of teamwork. Team, yes, being part of a team. And this is part of a team at work. This is part of the team with a family. This is part of a team with um, friendships. It's in all areas of life. Mm. And, and we hear it when we say we need to pick up someone else's slack. Yes. So this brings another word, um, consistency. Yeah. Being reliability. So there's a, there are a couple of words there that we've been talking about all through this. And I know through the whole podcast, but that one thing builds upon the other. So this is like a beautiful, I was going to say tornado, but that's not a good analogy. Well, love can be chaos. Yeah, but I wanted it to be in terms of, I don't know if a foundation meaning like a good deck or a good foundation for your home. You you really want things to be and qualities to be there your words to be there, your intention to be there, the way that you communicate. And this isn't a perfect relationship. This doesn't mean you can't be late. This Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can't have faults. This means that when you can't be late, if you have an opportunity to call, to text, or to say you're going to be late, or once you're late to explain it, but not just to show up and let it slide. This is, I think this is key. And the fake apology. Hey, sorry. I'm late. Yeah, the fake apology is horrible, 
But the the no apology is even worse because that's what Patricia Evans would refer to as the number one form of verbal abuse, withholding. Mm -hmm. So if I just withhold, then they'll never know. And if they don't know, I can keep them off balance. Well, and I'm creating a boundary of don't ask. Yes. Don't ask, don't communicate, don't trust. Yeah. And so if we're treating our employees that way, or if we're treating co-workers that way, or family members, it's understandable that there's anxiety. It's understandable that there's depression. It's understandable that 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 person doesn't want to equally commit back unless they're people pleasers. In which case, if they're people pleasers, and they're trained to just keep coming back, they keep coming back then for the abuse. Mm. Yeah. And the opposite of all of that, of, as, as we're pointing out in this show, the opposite of every single one of those things that are abusive are things that create trustworthiness in relationships. Yeah, I just posted a video. Um, it was just sort of shared via Facebook. And this gentleman, I don't know if he's an interviewer or what, but... He was talking to a gentleman on his show and I guess the guy had asked the question like, you know, what makes a woman fall in love with you or whatever? And he was like, it's not because you brought her flowers once. It's not because you cooked her dinner once. It's consistency. Mm -hmm. She fell in love with you over time because of your consistency. Mm -hmm. It's not one thing. It's how you consistently treat and speak to her that that holds someone there. And the exact opposite inconsistency if you give all of those good qualities but every now and then you throw in something to kind of throw him or her off whether it's a child your classroom um, and I keep trying to throw out different different um, examples as to how we can throw people off so that we can clearly state to them we are not trustworthy people mm -hmm. okay um, I, I threw one of the things that came in here too, Kelly was patience yeah. And that she had patience. And maybe, you know, sometimes in life, we can't be patient about every single thing all the time. But that she had a sense about her of not being rushed. Or if she is being rushed, it's circumstantial. It's being rushed because you've got to move through a red or through a red light. That wasn't a good example. That's a terrible example. <laughs> you've got to move. Our through. license plate is. <laughs> Watch us. Um, but move through a green light. Or you have to be rushed because there's a deadline for a certain thing. That's okay. But patience meaning that she was able to be present. Oh, yeah. that's it. Patience and presence. Absolutely. How many, we just had a conversation last night. You called me and started talking business. And, I, and then you stopped and you went, is this a good time? And I said, it's not. Yeah. I want to hear what you have to say. May I call you in 15 minutes when I have time to actually listen and respond? Right. And there was, again, the integrity of... Right now doesn't work. Yes. This is a time and a date that does. And and verbalizing what you have to say is important. I do want to hear it. Yes. It reaffirms that I'm not just rushing you off the phone because I have something better to do right now. It's saying I will be present at this date and this time because I want to be for you. And I'm acknowledging I can't give that to you right now and you do deserve it. Thank you. And I got off the phone feeling content and happy to listen to the dead people in the living room talking to me about writing this podcast on trustworthiness while I made my protein bars. And I called you 15 minutes later. Yes. So, and, 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 I, and I purposely am saying all of that because you're explaining what you did. And I go back to explaining then how I was able to go back to my life feeling content, yeah. feeling safe, 
feeling happy, knowing that you're going to keep your word and call back and um, not an anxiety. And that's why I said earlier that when someone is not trustworthy, you're creating the feeling of being unsafe with you in the relationship. So when they walk away from you, don't be surprised and you can't be angry. Mm-hmm. It's it's on you that you didn't create safety in the relationship. And this, I, I know we're talking a lot about significant other relationships, but this is completely applicable to parent-child. Oh, yeah. You cannot be angry when your child is acting out in response to your inconsistency, in response to your abuse, your withholding, in response to your power over and your control. That's a natural reaction for any human being as well as any animal. And that cannot be projected onto that person. Well, we're hearing here too that trustworthy means that we are responsible for our own behaviors. Yeah. And I think, you know, and here's another example from last night. After our conversation about saying, I can't give you time, can I call you in 15 minutes? Because there's trustworthiness and integrity right there, later on that night when you said, are we taping another show tonight? Are we working together? And I said to you, I would like to not be contacted. I have a friend in from out of town. I don't know when I'm going to be done. There's no fear that's created in that situation where I'm saying I don't want a timeline. I don't want to give you one because I know I can't stick to it. Right? So I'm, I'm asking for and requesting and saying I need freedom in this moment to not have to respond to you. Mm-hmm. And you can't expect calmness. You can't expect trust if you haven't given it in all the other ways. Correct. Or in all the other times or moments. Yes. That's so, so, oh my God, I'm flumbering, flumbering, (laughs) flumbering. We need, we need that, right? We need that freedom. And you see it in marriages after, you know, however many years where it's just like, I'm going out and I don't want to tell you what time I'm home. That's fine. But you only get that privilege or you only get that right in your relationship once you've actually built the trustworthiness for them to know, okay, this is their night. I won't, I won't bother them. Because then that person can sit in their safety and trust that as you're out doing your thing, that they feel content and and still connected to you. Yes. There's, there's a nice detachment because there's individuality, Mm -hmm. but there's detachment because, because of the individuality. Right. Because then you have such a great foundation that both of you are going off and enjoying your own lives. Totally. And that when you come back to each other, you're excited to be together again. And share. And share instead of accuse or question in a way. And I'm going to say this, questioning in a way of where were you? What were you doing? Checking their cell phone and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. versus sharing, which means that you voluntarily say what you were doing, but that the other person isn't sitting there in a level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And again, this word anxiety slash depression, either or, or both coming from a lack of being able to trust that person. Yeah. And I I think this is so important, this show about trustworthiness related to anxieties and depressions. And you're hearing I'm bringing that up consistently because some people will go off and live in that state for so many years that when they finally approach a medical doctor and say, I'm in a state of anxiety and depression consistently, medication is given to it. 
Yeah, we're not asked about, well, how's your relationship going? Are you in a trustworthy relationship? And that might be a great question for somebody to start asking if they're in the medical profession Mm -hmm. or psychology or psychiatry. That's triage. Yes, because how is a medication ever going to address your relationship or how you are living day to day, Mm -hmm. not feeling safe? And because you don't feel safe on a day to day basis with your parent or, or the, the people that you live with or you work with, how is a medication ever going to change that? Yeah, it, it's not. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think too, when I, I want to go back to the parent child relationship too, if your child is displaying trustworthy qualities, don't violate them. Oh, yeah. Don't assume something's going on. Yeah. Observe their own consistency and give them the freedom accordingly. Mm-hmm. As they earn that, give it to them because it creates more trustworthiness. They grow their independence, they learn that they can trust themselves. And that they may not need you, but they're glad that you're there and that they'll come to you when there is a need. And that's when a parent has to look at their own triggers. Yes. And they have to look at their own neediness to control another human being. And just because your partner might not be trustworthy doesn't mean your child isn't. Correct. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that everyone is untrustworthy. Or if you are not untrustworthy... Don't project that onto other people that they aren't. Totally. Because many, many people, many parents themselves are not trustworthy and project that onto the kids or onto the partner who is trustworthy. And they use that situation where they are not to dominate and control the child or the partner. Mm-hmm. Big one, eh? Yeah, we make it sound like it's their problem. Yes. And no matter what they say or do, They're never going to prove us any differently. Mm -hmm. But that's because we haven't done any of our own work to make ourselves trustworthy. Um, Another one is action. And we've been talking about it consistently through this show, but I just want to put a word to it. That we can't be all talk. Mm -hmm. That we actually have to be action. Yes. And that the two, what we say and what we do actually have to go together. Yeah. And that if we do the exact opposites, that's when Patricia Evans and Susan Forward and Melody Beattie and all these wonderful authors talk about crazy making. I think it's also what the New Age movements are talking about in terms of balanced and alignment that people don't understand. They sound like pretty words and everyone keeps saying they want it, but they have no idea what it means. And really and truly what balanced and aligned means is that what you say and what you do match. Well, I like that. I can give examples when clients come in and say, I, you know, my energy is wonky or I feel out of sorts or I'm, I'm, I'm out. There's a whole, whole bunch of energy terms now that people are learning, which is very, very good because they're becoming more aware of their own energy. But I love how you just said that sometimes it comes back to it isn't just about a chakra being out and I'm going to go get an energy treatment. Or saying I need to let something go. Well, there's a whole conversation Yeah, that I need to let, as you said, as I need to let something go or, or I'm stuck, Karen and Kelly, can you guys get us unstuck? And it's like, well, actually, I'm just being told that because of your people pleasing, you're not trustworthy because of your withholding, you're not trustworthy because of the 15 forms of verbal abuse by Patricia Evans, you're not trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So that whole my energy is wonky or I'm stuck in life can come down to 
you're what you're dealing with or not dealing with, whether you're trustworthy or not. Okay, so that that another one there was a key word was if you're writing your list today, or wanting to talk about this later is action. And you've said it earlier, Kelly, and so did I, that somebody might say I'm going to get to mowing the lawn, or I'm going to get to cleaning out the cupboard, or cleaning out the car or whatever. And if they keep letting it go and letting it go, yes, maybe they have forgotten. And that's the truth. And they can say they forgot. But then there's an action, I'll get to it now, or I will get to it by Sunday night. And they they keep that commitment. So we're hearing that when we make a commitment with our words, that the actions have to go with it. Yeah, it, that's what implementation is. So tons of people read books, tons of people listen oh. to audio, they do research, and they go to co- conferences and courses. And you can learn things theoretically, they can sink in on a theoretical level. But there's no learning that's happened. Because unless you are implementing an action, which is the observable part of becoming aligned, then you have nothing. And When you decide what the action is, that you're going to implement the tool, like you're saying, there needs to be a deadline. Yes. Kel, like it's, um, oh, I have a brain fart. It's fine. I remember when um, Susan Forbert or Patricia Evans was talking about how one man took his wife's books on New Age work or that she was reading and he read all her psychology stuff and everything so that he could use it against her. Mm Mm-hmm. He wasn't actually going to implement any of it. He just wanted to be able to use it in conversation to mess her up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just reflecting on my own experience. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? Because it just means that no, that's... No, it's horrific. It is. Because it... Well, that's a better word than interesting. It is horrific. Because the intention then clearly is that they're looking to control. And yeah, abuse. Yes. Action is important. Oh, totally. And it's also the thing that alleviates anxiety and depression. Each action that you take is the is just that one step. And, I, and Martin Luther King Jr., he's one of my favorite people to quote um, and learn from, is that you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just need to see the first step. And that that's it. That's all you do. You just one step at a time. And then something things become more clear after that. Mm-hmm. Can this lead into the next one? Um, yes, but I wanted to add one more thing. Action gives you a sense of control. And I'm always very clear in sessions, whether they're channeled or coaching to say to someone, this is the good kind of control because we're always, you know, we throw out the term controlling a lot and it's usually with regards to how someone wishes to control another person. Mm. But what we don't talk a whole lot about, or we don't bring attention to is the good kind of control, things that are within your own control, your own, your own, um, well-being, your own well-doing. Oh, I like how you're touching your tummy talking. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it, it creates momentum. So when we take an action that's aligned with what, what we say we want, then we become a little bit more powerful. And again, that's that I'll say the new age bullshit of stepping into our power. There's all kinds of cliched phrases, Mm -hmm. but that's what, that's what action does. Mm Mm-hmm. It allows us to become our own individuals. It allows us to see what we want to do next and how we want to, uh, I'll say, take over the world in our own, in our own little world. Mm-hmm. Well, at the risk of going back to some of that, and I know metaphysically and in terms of energy healing, that when people don't are not consistent with, with their words and their actions or other people are not in their life and it's affecting them, 
that it does affect their digestive system. Oh, totally. I've literally said to people, you have digestive issues because nothing sits well with you. Everything you do and say does literally doesn't sit well in your stomach. Oh, this brings me to the point, next point I wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And that is being able to know that uh, your boundaries, being able to say no, being able to say yes when you mean it, or maybe, or I don't know. And remember sitting down in a treatment with one person where their spirit guides were helping them come out of their people-pleasing. And wrote down, I think, maybe 20 different ways to say no. So that they, because they had so much fear around saying no. And I remember saying to them, if you have fear around saying no and you say yes to everything, or you say yes, but then you avoid everything afterwards, how does that make you feel in your digestive system? How do you think people feel when they're asking you things? Well, I'm going to ask her if she wants to go to the show, but it's kind of iffy. How do you go back to that same girlfriend and keep asking her to do things if you know that she doesn't even know what her own boundaries are? She bails all the time. Yeah. At the last minute. And this is something that I see quite often now is where people will say yes or be non-committal, I'll see, but not know where their real boundaries are and just saying, no, I don't like that type of movie or no, I don't want to go out Friday night or I don't want to do a movie. I've been sitting all week. I need to get up and be moving. I'd like to do walking. I want to be physically moving. Do you? Ha- is there something you'd like to do on Friday night that's active with me? Mm-hmm. You know, no, I want to go to the movies. Okay, do you want to go for a walk after the movies? Mm-hmm. So that you have this clear communication that comes around meeting both people's needs. Yeah. And and I think that's a good point to, to set out there about boundaries, especially for the people who have a great amount of difficulty setting any. Yeah, there's usually a fear of insulting someone. Yes, they're they're, they're, so, they're hypersensitive to everybody else's needs. And at the very end of the day, that's their first priority. But by the time it comes to following through with the commitment, it's shifted because it never sat well with them to begin with. Right. So now they have to spend the rest of their time, again, feeling anxiety. Yeah, I we make too many things personal. And I think that's where a lot of people pleasing comes in. If we knew it wasn't a personal thing, then we could actually be able to say no more more confidently or just literally more frequently. Because the example that you gave, if you just needed exercise and a movie wasn't what you wanted, you can literally say to someone, hey, I really do want to spend time with you. I miss you, whatever whatever those feelings are, but I need to be active. So if you don't want to be active that night, can we plan something a different night? And there, there is an address to the personal to make sure that they understand where you're coming from. Um, but it doesn't, you don't have to sit there thinking that you've insulted someone. And if you have question again, why you're in that relationship, if you're never allowed to actually say what you truly feel, why are you in this relationship? If it is a parent, is it, and you're old enough, if you're over a certain age, is it time to get out? Do you need to get out if your needs or your feelings don't matter? Mm -hmm. Aren't asked about? aren't checked in with and are not being met Mm -hmm. and that does come down to setting the boundaries being able to learn all the different ways you can say no authentically because I think there's a small window of people and they're probably not the listeners today and that's why I'm saying a small window of people who say no just to say no they may actually want to go out to the show but they're pissed that it was your idea and you said which movie Mm -hmm. and so they say no just for the sake of rebelling 
-hmm. And this maybe applies a little bit more to children as they're individuating. You can generate questions around that, right? To say, oh, okay, you know, like, well, what are you feeling this evening? And then when they have the ownership put back on them, they can go, oh, well, I do want to see the movie. Well, I do want to go out tonight. They can come to their own place and their own decision. There's a freedom to think for themselves at that point. I still know a lot of adults in my own personal life that still say no to everything. Just to say no. Just to say no. Oppositional defiance disorder. Everything is going to be a no to give them control. Yeah. Unless it was my idea and I presented it first. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how destructive that is and how it cannot build a relationship that's built on trusting each other. Yeah. So don't be surprised when the person walks out of the relationship. Okay, another one. Mm-hmm. How many more do we have left? Do the right... Oh, sorry. How many do I have left? A couple. Okay. Um, do the right thing. Uh, this this c- came about... People pleasers are just like brain cramping right now. Oh, I know <laughs> they are. I, I And bullies. But doing the right thing. The people who are trustworthy how, are steady in what they know to be the right thing and to follow it whether it pleases other people or not. And that is something that people pleasers struggle with is doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Because they think the right thing is what everyone else wants. Right. It's a different reality than their own. Yes. Interesting, eh? Yeah. I like, and I really like that one about being trustworthy in knowing that that person, and this is something that Reg had was that she did the right thing. So, and you know, I'm not saying in every single situation in life, sometimes we make mistakes. Oh, hell yeah. And that's okay, because that's when the sincere apology comes in. Mm -hmm. That's when the learning a lesson comes in. Being able to communicate comes in. That's why... Checking in. Checking in. That's why there's so many different components to all of this. Yeah. Of what trustworthy means, because it's not one aspect. You literally have to have all of these things going in life. But these are all emotional intelligence tools. I would like to elaborate, because people who are doing the brain cramp right now are going, well, what does the right thing mean? If you're telling me what it isn't, what it, what actually is it? And I, I, you can interrupt if you want, but for me, it's those three questions I always tell people. Take your pause and ask yourself, do I have the energy? Or sorry, pardon me, am I physically capable? If you can answer yes to that one, move to the second question. Second one being, do I want to? If that's a no, the right thing is saying no. And, and then having the integrity to say, like the movie example, I don't want to tonight, does Tuesday work for you? Or I don't want to see that movie, does another movie work for you? Right? So you're finding a solution. And I think this alleviates anxiety for people. If saying no is the hard part, have a solution that you can offer next to still be collaborative in the relationship. Well, and I think this is really important for people to listen to when they're the boss. And they won't take no from their employee. Right. They won't let them because it means being fired. It means being demoted, a loss of pay. And then they wonder why that employee can't come back and give us trust. Mm -hmm. Because we don't allow them to say no to us. I can't get this job done. My back is sore. I can't do this. You're asking too much of me for this deadline. I can't get this done today. I remember working in North Bay. I won't say where, but it was a very, very, very busy office. And the 
the director gave me a list on a piece of paper of about 30 things to get done in a day. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even get past the first two things on the list. They were each of them were going to take me at least a week to do. Mm -hmm. So I approached him and I said, Are you is this list prioritized? Hmm. And he went, What do you mean? It just has to get done today. I said, well, the very first thing on the top of the list was to organize 30 meetings. Like, (laughs) do I have a team that I don't know about? Is this just me? No, this is just you. I said, well, there is no way that time will allow me to get this list done. I need this prioritized. I need to know what you're, by the end of the day, what do you need to get done today? That this is going to be okay between the two of us. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't answer me. Just get it done. Slam the door. So out I go, knowing I'm supposed to get this list done that I can't, I know I can't even get through the top two things. Mm -hmm. So he has set me up for a failure for the end of the day. How are we ever going to build trust between the two of us in this job? Mm -hmm. If I'm already set up for that, I don't trust him right off the bat, because no matter what I get done on that list, he can, he can be angry about. Yeah. So I have no trust in him right there. And he's basically saying to me, I'll never trust you either. Because I know you're going to fail. I definitely know you're going to fail because I gave you no real direction here. So I quit that job by the end of the week. Mm -hmm. I was out. Can I finish? Mm -hmm. The second question, do I want to? If it's a no, like I said, the right thing is to say no. If it's a yes, you don't respond yet. You wait to answer the third question, which is, do I have the energy? And if both of those or all three of those questions are a yes, then you can go ahead and give your, your honest yes. If one of them is no, you're done. It stops there. The right thing to do is no and offer a solution that can work for, the, for both parties or all parties involved. And that can be really hard saying no to that because you might love that person and want them to achieve totally. whatever they've asked you for help for, but you might have to be able to sit back and recognize the fixer in you. And your own limitations, mm-hmm. you know, to say, yep, I'm physically capable because I have no obvious disabilities. Yes, I want to be able to do this for, for the person, but I don't have the energy. That's where, again, where that communication comes into play, where you can set, you can communicate. I really want to do this for you. I literally don't have the energy. It's not about not wanting to be there for you and support you. This isn't how I can do it. Is there another way I can support you? Is there another way we can spend time together? Right? There are, there are different ways of coming up with solutions where you don't have to cross your own boundaries and create a nervousness in the other person where they know you're overextending yourself or they know you don't want to be here. And we've talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another one I wrote down is don't change your story each time you tell it. Mm. This is something I've seen a lot in my own personal life Yeah, are different people that keep changing the story. Mm-hmm. And so you never know what the truth of the story is because you hear them repeating it to different people differently. Yeah. That is so important mm-hmm. because they might be changing subtleties knowingly to embellish to, to, to change the way they look because they want to be seen differently each time to each person they're saying it to. Mm-hmm. That's narcissism. So you're watching a narcissist at work. Whether they know they are one or not, or what level they're at, even if they're just doing it a little bit. That's Yeah, it's a pattern. That's right. And it's easy to slip into that 
mm-hmm. especially when you get the response that you want according to the image you want to to mm-hmm. give out to people so if people laugh extra hard you learn to embellish more that's oh i like how you said that if they learn if they laugh then you learn to embellish more well yeah if you're getting the attention that you desire or it builds you up it makes you feel good we want to repeat those things that make us feel good Mm-hmm. But that's not integrity. That's right. And so the person that's sitting there watching you do that over and over again is losing trust in you. Oh, yes. And you can feel your shame radar going until you learn to completely ignore it. And that's why I said Say there, it again. You can feel your shame radar. radar until you learn to ignore it. And that's, all, like you said, the levels of narcissism. Yes. Right. Oh, I love that. That was so good. Yeah. I'm just about near the end tell the truth but I think that's that's been going on through the through the whole podcast so I'm going to read the list sure trustworthy your word being reliable thoughtful and with intention an apology sincerity kindness honesty patience and I wrote down in brackets your ability to listen and your listening skills. You also mentioned to be present. Thank you. Questions, which you've brought up and we've both of us, but I love how you did that three, three key questions. Consistency, mm-hmm. action, that your actions have to match your words, knowing your boundaries, also the ability to say no and that you do, mm-hmm. or that if you, if it's not no, can you make a list of a pile of things like not now, never, maybe? Can I get back to you? I'd prefer not to. Uh, can I let you know in five minutes? There's a, there are a whole bunch of things. Communicating. Uh, and part of that, we talked about a check-in. Mm-hmm. Doing the right thing. Telling the truth. Not changing your story each time you ch- tell it. And not people-pleasing or bullying. List makers are losing their mind because you didn't do it in order. <laughs> I know, but it, that's okay. But you got the point. Yes, and you know, it's a podcast, so they can listen to it over and over again. Yeah. I, I thought this was a wonderful type of podcast to do. Uh, and in regards to the fact that we brought in work, we brought in relationships with a significant partner, parenting, siblings all different aspects but the most important one kelly is the one with ourselves yeah because really what it really boils down to and i hope what people are hearing through all of this podcast is when we are not trustworthy for others we have anxiety Mm. and trust issues yes we are the ones then that try and control other people Mm -hmm. because we are not trustworthy ourselves I'm done. I know. You get more more and more enunciated as we finish the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the list. I appreciate that. Um, okay, we're done? Yeah. All right. Um, as always, if anyone has questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at com. We also want to welcome people and let you know that our 2018 Evening with Medium events dates will be up and for sale on September 1st on the website by Sarlo.com. Um, you can purchase your tickets there uh, and we're, we're excited to be 
I don't know, presenting everything on all different platforms. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways that we get to reach out to to listeners, to followers, to clients and connect with you. Um, Of course, we invite you to to be in a two-way conversation with us. So we hope you have a wonderful Saturday uh, and that you're enjoying the end of your summer. And Kelly, just that December 15th, there are still tickets for 2017. Yes.